Welcome to the EuroCleo podcast, Pastime Talking and Teaching History. Today's episode, uh, we will talk about the contested case of the Colston statue in Bristol in England. We uh, are talking with a history teacher based in Bristol, Richard Kennett, who's also written a textbook on Atlantic slave trade and its relation with Bristol. My name is Andreas Holtberger, and I'm joined today by a new co-host to our podcast, Marie-Louise Janssen. Welcome. Uh, Marie-Louise, you're directing our Contested Histories initiative. Could you tell us a bit more about, about the work you do? Thank you, Andreas. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so I direct the Contested Histories in Public Spaces project here at EuroCleo uh, in association with the Institute for Historical Justice and Reconciliation. And what we are doing is looking at conflicts over monuments, statues, memorials, names of streets, names of squares, all around the globe. There you have currently more than 350 cases on five continents. And the objective really is to try and understand how these contestations uh, evolved, why they evolved, who was involved, and what steps the decision makers took to resolve or are resolving or not resolving these cases. So each one, of course, is unique. Uh, the objective really is to try and discern some uh, guidelines for decision makers, but also to um, build a, a body of knowledge for teachers, educators, who can then also use these materials in classrooms uh, and in workshops and other, in other fora as well. Um, so it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Marie-Louise. And, and um, you can, of course, discover more about the Contested Histories project uh, online, contestedhistories.org. And there's also a side project, the Contested Histories on-site, which is happening at the moment. Um, exactly. There are some, some events coming up. Yes, thank you for that. Um, so the Contested Histories on-site is a project that we do in, in association with the Memory Studies Association as well. And what we are looking at are four sites in Europe that have a connection to the authoritarian past. We've already looked at the controversy over the Uprising Museum in Warsaw, uh, over the bronze statue in Tallinn in Estonia. And on January 26th, we will go to Italy and examine the controversy over the bas relief in Bolzano. And Bolzano is in the northern part of Italy. It's where Mussolini also had a, a large building where his frieze is still there, one of the few places in Italy where mm -hmm. he is still depicted. And then later in March and April, we will also examine the Valley of the Fall, and a very famous um, site in Madrid where Franco had been interred until recently, and there's still a large controversy over the site itself. Great. Let's um, first talk to, to Richard about Bristol and uh, explore the, the controversy that, that took place there. So we have with us uh, Richard Kennett. Uh, Richard is a history teacher in Bristol, um, assistant head teacher at two secondary schools there. Richard, welcome so much. Uh, you've also recently uh, published a textbook on Bristol and the Atlantic slave trade um, with other Bristol history teachers. But you've also been involved in several EuroCleo projects uh, in the past. Uh, recently, you've been part of the uh, online course on online teaching. I encourage our listeners to have a look at the YouTube channel and, and have a look. Um, you've also recently been a mentor with our Sharing European Histories um, project. And uh, just mentioning this in, in, in brief, that the project will be uh, having a self-paced course starting now in, in November and December. 
Um, so um, please do uh, have a look on our website and, and check that out. Rich, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. We'll start talking right away on, on Bristol and, and your experience there. Yeah, great. So um, first of all, I think we have to start with the basics. Who, who was Colston and why was there a statue of him in Bristol? And, and why was it toppled and thrown into the harbour? I mean, you say basics there that that I could talk for hours about that, but I'll try and keep it brief. So, so Edward Colston was um, was a merchant in the kind of 17th century. And really significantly, he was born to a family in Bristol that had been a merchant family for centuries. And he at the time of the English Civil War, he moves out of Bristol and he moves to London and he becomes a merchant in London. And he works his way up through a company called the Royal African Company. And the Royal African Company were trading enslaved Africans. And Colston doesn't just kind of work his way up a little bit. He works his way to the top and he becomes deputy governor of this Royal African Company, which at that time had a monopoly on trading enslaved Africans. And during his years there, there were 85,000 Africans who were enslaved during his tenure. So a huge amount of Africans were enslaved during his time there. Now, Colston also then feeds some of that money because he makes an immense amount of wealth from that. And he feeds some of it back into the city in ways that are slightly curious. And nobody's really sure to the extent actually to what how much he paid back into the city or not, but he paid for schools to be opened. He gave money to the church. He gave money to this group called uh, the Merchant Venturers. So the Merchant Venturers in Bristol, in, in essence, run the harbour and they, and they run all trade in the city. So Colston never moves back to Bristol, but he's a figure that's always associated with Bristol. And it's really interesting because he dies at the start rather well, in the early period of the 18th century. But it's like 150 years later, they put a statue of him up. And nobody really in the city is sure why it was put up and kind of the reasons for it. So it wasn't put up until 1895. And it was an odd thing because it was, it was promoted by the merchant venturers. And he was seen as this great philanthropist who'd given money to charity in the city. But when they, they and they publicised this through the local newspapers, but they never got the amount of money they needed to put the statue up. So they advertised this saying, everybody chip in, it's going to be great. We're going to have this statue to this great man. They, they didn't even get the amount of funds to do it, but they still did it. And, the, and this statue went up in 1895. And at that time, nobody really cared about the fact that he was a slave trader. That changed pretty quickly. And... That statue in the 20th century, I think everybody's interpretation of that statue to an extent really changed a lot. And as the 20th century went on, there were more and more campaigns in Bristol to have it pulled down, um, in particular from the Afro-Caribbean community in the city. Um, and it, it got really heated and the, the council were accused of not pulling it down for ages. And then suddenly, uh, in June 2020, we had a massive Black Lives Matter protest in the city. Bristol, if you don't know, is very well known for protests. We've, we have protests all the time in the city. It's, it's great. Um, and at that Black Lives Matter protest in June 2020, 
the, the protesters put a rope around Colston's neck and pulled it down and dragged it about half a mile from where the plinth is to the edge of the water. They rolled it through the city because it was cheap and it was hollow because it was a cheaply made statue. Uh, and they rolled it through the city and they lobbed it into the docks um, and everybody cheered. <laughs> and it, it's been quite a controversial moment because when I say everybody cheered, not the entire city did. And um, it, 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 it's been an interesting year and a half following that really. Great. Um, so I, we mentioned it in the introduction. You've you've actually written a book on on Bristol and its link to Atlantic slave trade. Was it already in the works that this book that you were writing uh, now, or, or was it as, actually a direct result of, of of these these events that happened? It was completely a direct result. There's a strong network of history teachers in the city, and. We've been talking for probably about a decade about the teaching of transatlantic slavery and the fact that all of us thought it wasn't done well enough in the city and that we didn't have proper resources for it, but we never did anything about it. But that the statue falling was a catalyst for us. Um, and, it, and it was a catalyst because all of us in the city um, spoke to the kids that we teach in the days that followed and pretty much all of us um, heard back from the kids that we teach that actually what we were doing wasn't good enough. So to an extent, I think we were all kind of shamed, really, if I'm being really blunt. Um, we were shamed by what we were doing. So about a fortnight later, a group of us met up and we were like, we need to do something about this. So that was the point where we, were, we decided, no, we were going to rewrite a textbook because textbooks in Britain on slavery are, are on the whole atrocious they're really they're really colonial they're really from the only from the perspective of white merchants and they don't tell the full story so we decided we were going to do something different so it completely was the catalyst was that statue falling in the river um richard if i may ask a question so have you started teaching this differently has there been a change in how that curriculum is now being taught not only in your schools but in the other schools in bristol yeah hugely so I think where the curriculum before the statue fell was focused pretty much on the mechanics of the slave trade. So I don't think our school was doing anything different from anybody else. What it, it started with the Middle Passage and then it looked at what happened on the plantations and pretty much that's where it stopped. Um, and, and that I look back now and I'm kind of massively just embarrassed by that. The curriculum now is looking much more at the legacies. So we, yes, we're looking at what happened in the mechanics of the slave trade, but we're trying to do that from the perspective of the enslaved rather than the enslavers. And now we're looking at the next bit of the story. And I think the next bit is key to us. So uh, when, when you deal with these kind of, yeah, controversial historical legacies, um, conversations around them, they often become very heated, very emotional. Yeah. It's about identity. Um, yeah. It, it, it gets difficult. And I imagine also in the classroom. Um, yeah. How, how did you deal with that? How do you, yeah, constructively deal with these kind of emotions when, when you have it's, it in the classroom? It's interesting because I, I don't, none, none of us actually think that in the classroom we're finding that. So in the classroom, it's fine. I, I, it's, and, and I think it's a really, there's a big difference between um, the, the young and the old in the city. The, the, the youth want to know more and 
they don't like what would, they don't like that statue. They didn't like the statue standing there for years. They were glad it came down. And as a result, that contested nature isn't in the classroom. Mm. It is outside. And and the, the writing of the book was fascinating of um, having to deal with anger from a lot of different groups. Um, and it was really hard. But the, the, the best way that we dealt with it by a long way was we got feedback in a way that I've, I've been writing textbooks for 10, 15 years, I think now, maybe 10 years, 10 years. And we've never got feedback on a textbook properly. This time, when we wrote the manuscript, we sent it to anyone who'd pretty much listened to us. So we sent it to every historian we knew in the city who wrote about slavery and asked them to feedback on it. We also sent it to, um, uh, the African diaspora groups in the city because we wanted to get feedback on it. We we were really conscious that um, our uh, nearly our entire group, apart from one of us, was were white. So we sent it to black history teachers, not in the city, but who were teaching in London and other places to get their feedback, and um, to really kind of try and iron out some of those issues that I think we realised might be in a place like this. So we we wanted to make sure that. This was a product that as many people as possible were happy with. And, and that's hard, but it was really hard to hear that feedback because some of it came back and said, no, what you've written is rubbish. Mm. And they were right. And so, so we, we sent a very early manuscript off to a very good friend of mine who's a black history teacher in London. And she said that the stories in the book were faceless. And she was right. So we went back and we rewrote loads of it and we put stories of named individuals throughout the entire book because she had a real good point and we needed to change it. So I think that when you when we were dealing with this, it is really contested, but we made sure that we were very careful about getting it checked and very careful about getting as much feedback as we could. Uh, you also mentioned, I mean, the the anger that is there. Yeah. Did you, did you feel it in any sense? And I, I understand not in the classroom, but parents or or social media or how did you? So, so social media, yes. So so when the book, we were really conscious about what I think we didn't experience it during the writing of the book, um, although we felt the pressure of the culture war in Britain. There's a culture war in Britain at the moment. I mean, history is really contested. It's it's in and out of the papers all the time at the moment. Um, when the book got published, um, one, one of the slightly more right wing newspapers in the country, the Daily Mail, picked up on the story and they wrote a really quite basic story about it. And the comments underneath were were horrific, um, were accusing us of being woke lefty liberals and um, it got really weirdly personal in some um there, there were loads of comments about oh, i bet what about this have you have you not included a perspective of this and uh, slavery is 200 years ago who cares and and it was fascinating it was kind of like a little insight into the other side which we'd never felt personally and we'd never seen but suddenly those news stories really brought that out in a way that yeah it was quite shocking really how does one respond to something like that i mean we didn't you putting don't. it bluntly <laughs> i think it's a really good question because but we had a but the team had a really big discussion about do we do we respond to this or do we just kind of not ignore it no ignore we ignored it in essence 
Well, it would make an interesting study in and of itself, wouldn't it, to see um, the kinds of responses that it did get and then what can be done with a response like that and how or responses like that and what can teachers actually do to kind of mitigate that kind of sense. It, it, it's really hard though. <laughs> and, and, and as part of the project, I ended up speaking to um, a teacher in the, in the United States and how, and, and Andreas, you mentioned parents. We, we've had nothing from any of the parents who've seen the book, nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I was talking to a teacher in the United States who said that she was taught, we, we, we explicitly talk about the history of race in that book. And I was talking to a teacher um, in the United States who said that some of her trainees had said that in a school that the parents were giving out death threats. And, and it's, I find that just fascinating. I, I don't think people in the UK, most people don't care that much, yeah. which is maybe a good thing and a bad thing, but yeah. So now that it's 18, almost 18 months after the toppling and the dragging into the harbor, et cetera, that you know, the world was watching, that, how have things changed in Bristol? Do you notice a change? And my second question to that is, what about all of the other things that were you know, commemorating Colston, the, the window in the church and the names of the schools and the poppy um, that was worn on, this, on the anniversary of his birthday or death. Yeah, the carnation, yeah. Carnation, sorry. Yeah, and all of those sort of symbols that were connected to Colson. Have, have those disappeared or are they still present? Or what does it feel like to be in Bristol now? So two, two, two parts to the question. I'll answer your second part first. Um, the, 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 the symbolism and, and the names went really quickly. So one of the authors on my team uh, was working for Colston Girls School. She doesn't now. Now she works for Montpellier High because they changed their name. Mm -hmm. um, in the, 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 the one of the biggest um, tower blocks, skyscrapers in the city was called Colston Tower. It's not now. Um, uh, the, the, there was a very famous Colst, uh, concert hall that's changed its name. So kind of big symbolic things about Colston have changed. What's fascinating, though, is still the legacy of, that, of, of, this, of slavery in the city, though, is, is still there in things that are not Colston named. So the things that are specifically about Colston, I think, have changed. But there's an awful lot that hasn't. So I'm, I'm, I cycle to school every day and I cycle down Guinea Street, which is named after the trade. And that's still there. So there's kind of some things have really stayed and some things, the things that are directly linked with Colston have gone. Mm -hmm. So the church window, um, the, the, the cathedral were talking about taking it down. I think they're going to. So a lot's changed. What's not changed, though, is there's still huge issues with racism in the city that it hasn't changed that. I, I think that it slightly changed people's perspective on uh, the history of slavery. And I think, I think there are more people that are aware of that history now, which is a very good thing. Um, how educated they are is questionable though. And do you think that is also beyond the city of Bristol? I mean, to, into other parts of the UK, you feeling that it's yeah. having an effect there as well? I think so. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I do also think it's polarized people. The, the way that, the statue was brought down by protest rather than by legislation um, has not been 
I think it would have been better had it come down with legislation 10 years ago rather than it being pulled down because I think that mm-hmm. some people clearly are very angry about the fact that it was pulled down by protesters and that that this was wrong and it, I mean there's huge controversy in the UK at the moment about that there's an organisation called the National Trust who who run all the like stately homes the whole historic homes in the city in the country and they, they, they've tried to make their links to colonialism more explicit and it's huge controversy over it about whether they were the right or the wrong things to do and I think some of those debates have been more polarised because of the statue coming down in the way that it did. And what's happened to it since? The statue is currently, currently uh, on display in the museum and the one of the things that happened as a result of the statue coming down was the the, the city council paid for a history commission to be created, um, run by academics in the city, and they've been running a referendum uh, at the museum about whether it should stay or go. And that referendum ended about three weeks ago, and they haven't revealed the results yet. Oh, but but even the referendum was really controversial because some right-wing social media groups were trying to like flood it with votes. So I don't know, I'm fascinated to see the results. I I hope it stays in the museum, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. we'll be following what happens closely I, I, I don't, yeah I, I don't think it'll be put back i don't think it's going to go back on that plinth no surely not that, but yeah. it, it's whether that i think the interesting thing for me is whether it stays on display or whether it gets shoved into a back room somewhere and the display um does it contextualize it i mean does it discuss the protests etc yeah it completely contextualizes it in terms of the protest and it's and they've made it virtual so you can see everything that's in that display on the museum website because of the pandemic, because Britain's ravaged by it. And, and so they were conscious that some people weren't going to go and see it. So it's all there, but they contextualised it um, massively to be part as part of the Black Lives Matter protest. They also contextualised Colston properly. But even that display was really controversial because the original, and again, made by academics who took ages over getting the wording right, the display was controversial because the display originally didn't mention the Merchant Venturers, who who were the organisation that run the harbour and the organisation that put the statue up, and it didn't explicitly mention them. And again, social media, the, the press went mad about it they, they changed it they put it in I mean they've only put a couple of sentences in but now it, it's mentioned there um so yeah it's fast it's fa- the whole thing has been fascinating so Rich I rounding up a bit perhaps I, I wanted to to uh, have a question bringing going back to the classroom or your experience as a teacher um so when this all happened how did you address the issue with your students and I'm asking also in the sense of trying to get yeah, an idea of a concrete method, if you have one, to deal with controversial issues like this in, in, with, your, with your students. Um, maybe something that a teacher elsewhere could, could pick up and, and uh, get inspired uh, without having to write an entire textbook on, on, yeah, on I mean, slave so, trade. So in, in, in those initial weeks after the statue falling, um, my team all, all had a discussion about how we were going to deal with it. And we did it just through open discussion. 
I mean, I've already mentioned that most 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 young people in this city wanted the statue to be brought down, but we made sure that we and we all discussed it with our classes and and virtually every kid in the city wanted to talk about it as well like they were obsessed with talking about it um i think the easiest the simplest strategy for me is creating an open space for discussion it it was fascinating doing it i had to do it on zoom um but there was one there was one student in my class who was repulsed by the idea of it being pulled down and was really angry about it and some of the other students tried to shut him down and it, I, it was difficult, but I, I had to create a space where he was allowed to in, have his opinion. And I think we have to create spaces where students, no matter what their opinion is, can have it. Even if, like I think it is in Bristol, I think 99% of the young people in this city are really happy that statue got thrown in the harbour and are glad about it that one percent is entitled to its opinion and i can i can see their side to an extent i don't agree with it i can understand where it's coming from though so yeah in terms of strategy i just think create the way that you carefully create discussion and i purposely didn't share my opinion until the end so so we talked about the issues about it i i asked the kids to share their opinions and then at the end i gave mine and I didn't give mine at the start because I thought if I gave mine at the start um everybody would probably either say the opposite to me because they'd want to challenge me <laughs> or they'd um only try and appease me so I, I purposely didn't give my opinion to the end I did give my opinion in the end because I actually kind of thought that was kind of important with different topics I might not have and I, and I know that Eurocleo work with lots of places around Europe. So I think that, and I know that some of those places, that history is a lot more contested than it is in my city. So I think it's an interesting question about as a teacher, whether you give your opinion or not is obviously a, is a debate. Thank you so much, Richard, for, for sharing your, your experience. Um, Happy. This topic and uh, explaining a bit more about the background to the whole controversy as well. Uh, we'll be keen to follow what's happening with the referendum in Bristol. See what happens yeah. to the statue. If it's uh, if it's coming up somewhere, we'll we'll keep an eye out. Um, thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank Thanks both.